Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. All right, here we go. Welcome to this hour of the program. Very much uh, looking forward to this next segment. Two guys that uh, I think on their own, pretty well known, certainly made a name for themselves, but they're making a name for themselves together uh, as co-host of their podcast and co-authors of a new book. The book is called uh, Canadia, Canadianity. There we go. Canadianity, Tales from the True North, Strong and Freezing. Uh, and it's the Taggart and Torrens podcast, Taggart in Torrens, Dancier, the letter N. Uh, they're about to embark on a national tour, brings them to Calgary on November 18th. So we'll hear from Jeremy Taggart, the former drummer for the hugely successful Canadian band Our Lady Peace. But first up is the other half uh, of this duo, Jonathan Torrance. You may know him from Mr. D. You may know him from Wipeout Canada. You may know him from the Trailer Park Boys, maybe from his own show, Jonavision, or Street Sense back in the day. Uh, he's done a lot, and he uh, joins us on the line here this afternoon. Jonathan Torrance, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Well, a lot to talk about here, and this is interesting how this has all come together with the podcast, now the book, the tour. So let's back up a little bit. And, and how did how did you and Jeremy get together in the first place to launch this podcast? I've been working on a succinct version of this story. But well, let's start in the year 2002 when Trailer Park Boys was a brand new show and it was kind of on life support. It was a mockumentary. People didn't really get it. It was cops from a criminal's perspective. Bands like Our Lady Peace and The Tragically Hip and Rush took the show under their wing and watched the DVDs and shared them with friends. And you can really credit that little underground uh, world for bringing the show to the forefront of Canada. And it was Jeremy, in fact, who suggested to the guys in Our Lady Peace, we should bring Ricky, Julian, and Bubbles out on tour to open for us. So it can't be overstated, the role that Our Lady Peace played in the success of Trailer Park Boys. So Jeremy and I had met over the years at, you know, golf tournaments for charity and things like that. And we bonded over a mutual love of dissing each other. I called him a Fathers of Confederation looking guy because he had a big, long ponytail. And he called me Jack Wagner. <laughs> the 80s pop star and it was uh it was love at first death well that's pretty cool now for people not familiar with the podcast um tell us a bit about it because i mean it, it's about canadian pop culture right but it's it's about much more than that it is we um coined a, this word canadianity semi-facetiously thinking that it was kind of what you know it means to be Canadian through a nostalgic kind of affection for some of the cliches that we sometimes roll our collective eyes at. But it wasn't until we asked our listeners to define it that we realized this thing is huge. And an example I always give is someone defined Canadianity as your beardly goalie bursts into the dressing room three minutes before you take the ice. And certainly most Canadians can relate to that sensation um, some people defined it as paying for a Tim Hortons for the person in line behind you at the drive-thru, somewhere as broad as being kind. 
But we realized that we were filling this hole we didn't even really know existed just by talking about references that we remember from growing up in this country, like the Albert Canadian Tire commercial or, okay. uh, you know, muffins in every food court. Well, what about the two of you? And I mean, you in particular, I think certainly Trailer Park Boys, uh, very much Canadian culture. But, uh, you know, you, you've done a lot over the years. And, and obviously, so has Jeremy. That's uh, that's become a part of this this kind of modern Canadian pop culture. Well, I guess I was looking for something. I work on Mr. D as well, and Trailer Park Boys and Mr. D kind of more scripted shows. Mm -hmm. There's often a lag between when you shoot them and when they air. So I was looking for something in this, you know, particular point in our history, technology-wise, where you can get instant, real-time feedback from people that are ingesting um, your art. So the neat thing was I was kind of a newcomer to podcasts. I didn't really speak the language. And so it was a little more buttoned up in the early going, a little more um, tightly wound. And act one is a guest and act two is a game and act three is a top five. And it was when we started to show our warts and all and pursue these little flights of fancy that our podcast listeners were like, that's it. That's the stuff. It, when we feel like we're in the back seat on a car trip with you guys, that's when you're in the sweet spot. So it's actually more long-form conversation, and we don't put much planning into it before we record. It's essentially a weekly one-hour phone call. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because you, as you note in the book, you've got 25-plus years under your belt uh, as an actor, mm -hmm. as a TV host. And it's, it is something, and you talk about it, I mean, it's something odd and unique about Canadian celebrity. And becoming a Canadian celebrity and remaining a, a Canadian celebrity, how have you navigated that over the years? I have a couple of theories. One is I've always flown just kind of under the radar enough. J-Rock was never the star of Trailer Park Boys. I was always Garnish, not the main dish, and I'm perfectly content in that sweet spot. Um, the other is I worked in children's television for a long time. And I think maybe the most important one is that I've been lucky enough to be able to change it up. Trailer Park Boys came along towards the end of Jonovision when that allowed an audience to see me in a whole different way. And same thing with Mr. D at the end of Trailer Park Boys. It's always been about the page turn for me, which is why Tiger and Torrens was such a good fit. Um, Jeremy and I were both looking for our next vine to grab. He was in the process of leaving Our Lady Peace. Um, I was kind of winding things down on Trailer Park Boys, and it just snowballed. Because it seems like you've had that, like the, these stretches of, you know, you're at the forefront, you're doing this, this thing on a big stage, uh, and, then, and then that stops, and it's, and it's on to the next thing, right? Well, it's very uh, Canadian mentality. We have this kind of, no, they've had their turn. Let someone else have a turn, <laughs> right? In the States, if you've been on a high-profile series and you're a name, that is the golden ticket because it means you can probably work or perform at conventions or something till the end of time. Um, in Canada, we do have kind of a rotating roster of people. You know, every couple of years, a big CTV drama comes out with a whole new cast, and they're a big deal, and then it just kind of slips away. So I think I've um, always wanted to do a few different things at the same time. I've never put all my eggs in one basket, and I live on the East Coast where the cost of living is pretty manageable, and you can coast a little longer if you need to. Um, but I'm at the point in my career where I do things because they interest me and because they seem fun as opposed to because I have to. And that's a real luxury. You know, it seems often we like our celebrities to have some almost like validation, right? I mean, oh, Americans like that person, too. I guess we should maybe appreciate that person a little bit more. It's, it's challenging to be a uniquely 
Canadian celebrity, where you're, you're unknown outside of Canada and you're a huge star within Canada. Well, I talk about this a little bit in the book. When I went to the States to answer the what if question, what would happen here? You know, would I make it? They like to be able to categorize people. Are you a Seacrest or you're a swimmer? <laughs> None of this, like, you're not a host and sort of an actor and kind of a sketch performer and a bit of a comedian. You have to pick. And if you don't, they'll pick for you. Whereas in Canada, you can kind of do a little bit of a lot of different things to keep it interesting for yourself and to keep people guessing a little bit. Mm -hmm. So when I defined what my it was, it wasn't the Tonight Show. It was being able to achieve a balance in my life between um, life and work. And I knew that I could achieve that in Canada. I live in rural Nova Scotia and work in TV. That's nuts. What a terrible idea. <laughs> it's, um, it's exactly the way I want it. And that's not lost on me every single day. Yeah. How lucky I am. I want to ask you about something in particular in the book, because part of the book is is kind of a, a journey of sorts across the country and, and stories uh, and interesting tidbits about different parts of our country. So that, that includes Alberta, which we're appreciative of. But you, you tell an emotional recounting of the Fort McMurray fire and just the, the response, not just from Albertans, but from people across the country, from other celebrities. Uh, it, it became a really big thing. It was wild. I, I don't know that I've felt more helpless in my life watching the images that I'm sure you saw and everyone else did about people driving through a tunnel of fire to get their family to safety. It was inconceivable. And Fort McMurray and, in fact, Alberta. I mean, I have two siblings that went out west to work from the East Coast. So there's always been a natural relationship between both parts of the country and I'm a father. I have two young kids. I couldn't imagine my kids being in that kind of jeopardy. We're not used to seeing those pictures here. So I thought, what can I do? Well, I have a decent reach on the Internet service. And so I said, anyone that is stuck and doesn't have the means to get back to Nova Scotia, um, I will figure it out. I will get you an aeroplane ticket. And the response from people that needed help and from people that were willing to offer help was unbelievable. Haley Wickenheiser Olympic gold medalist jumped in and said, we're used to doing this, unfortunately. We've had some disasters in Alberta. We have an infrastructure. What do you need? Points, drives, let me know. And there were a dozen examples of people like that across the country. So in the end, we ended up booking 55 flights home for people uh, to come back to the East Coast. And that yeah. was really cool. All right. Now, I, I do want to get Jeremy in on the conversation. But before we, we pass it off, uh, just... Uh, your thoughts on what this tour means uh, to you and, and just this opportunity to, to go out and, and meet people across the country and, and what it's going to entail. The podcast has been such a bubble for us. It really is. The extent of it is a weekly one-hour phone conversation. So the fact that, um, not unlike Trailer Park Boys, when it started, we thought it was so local and uh, it wouldn't appeal to anyone who lived anywhere else. Um, so the fact that we can go to state in Calgary and have 250, 300 people there who know the characters from the podcast, uh, know the stories, want to make requests. They know they're coming to see the show and be the show because we bring buds up on stage to play games. Um, it's kind of shocking and humbling in equal parts. All right. Well, we'll let people know. Uh, it's Taggart 
ntorrents.ca is yeah. the letter N. Uh, you can have just put A-N-D. It would be a lot easier to tell people that. But that would have been, but I guess, uh, you can't put an ampersand in an email or, or a website address, unfortunately. Well, that's true. That's yeah. true. Okay. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for making some time for us here. Now, if your I cohorts, your I hear your cohort is, is lurking. He is indeed. I'm going to hand over the phone. How Canadian is this? I very. Jeremy, can you come to the phone for a second? Okay. So while they're handing off the phone here, let's take a quick break and we'll come back. That was Jonathan Torrance. We're going to hear from Jeremy Taggart in a second. Their new book, Canadianity, Tales from the True North, Strong and Freezing. We're back with more right after this. We're speaking with Taggart and Torrance, uh, their new book, Canadianity. Uh, They're going to be in Calgary November 18th. So we heard from Torrance. Let's hear now from the other half of uh, the duo. Jeremy Taggart joins us, a longtime drummer with Our Lady Peace. I guess, Jeremy, what, it was about 20 years with the band. Yeah, 21 years, and uh, it'll be close to four that I left. So, yeah. All right. So It was a a great, great time. I mean, I, 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 I started the band at such a young age, at 17, and it was kind of, kind of like high school and college and your first job all rolled into one in terms of the timing of it, how it went. So um, I, I, very appreciative of, of all of it, but uh, definitely, you know, uh, it was time to move on for sure. Well, and were you looking to move on to something like this or how, how were you talked into doing the podcast? Well, I, I, I'd always wanted to do something with Jonathan in the last, I don't know, eight years or something. We, had maintained contact and, you know, trying to, to maybe do something together. And, uh, <clears throat> I think it was once I started doing a regular spot on the Jay and Dan podcast, um, a segment on there. And then I heard Jonathan guest on the Jay and Dan pod. And I, I just thought he was such a funny guy and, and quick and really kind of, uh, had the same kind of, uh, media, I guess the, the stuff that, that he thinks is funny, I think is funny. And um, when I heard him on that show, I was like, you know what? I mean, w- you know, I was thinking of, of starting my own podcast and I had had one previously called Taggart's Take and it was just a lot of work. And um, I figured, you know, Jonathan's so funny and I've always been a, a fan of collaborating my whole life that uh, it was probably a good idea for us to start doing something together and, and a podcast would be just that. And yeah. the fact that we we always kind of crack each other up when we talk to each other um, kind of made sense to, I guess, call that our content, which is just the conversation. And, and that seems to be, that was the, the, the first first thing that we felt was very strong about the podcast was, our conversations and that's kind of been the main that's the the, the force that's maintained it ever since mm-hmm. uh, now i sense that we're, we're similar of, of similar age maybe almost exactly the same age and it's interesting you, uh well maybe i got a year on you but okay because <laughs> okay. uh, you, you, you talk in the book a bit about you know kind of growing up and you know the the onset of much music and yeah you know, and and for me too. I mean, that's just you know came to define my teenage years and sure. um, recording videos and finding all this this music. I don't think I, I otherwise would have. So to kind of go from totally. that kid and then you're you're a part of it, right? Yeah, yeah. That was kind of weird. It was a little bit uh, strange because you're right. I mean, I was fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, kind of growing up <clears throat> watching much music, and then seventeen, eighteen, I was on much music. So it was kind of I, as as odd as it se- 
seems. It, it really it was kind of weird, but at the same time, um, once you start doing something professionally, um, that's what you do. So you don't really think about the fact that you're young and it's happening until, honestly, till around now in my 40s, and I'm like, wow, that was A, a long time ago, and B, that was pretty awesome that yeah. it happened so young. Well, and, and I mean, obviously, you know, you, you know the importance, the cultural importance of much music. So as a band sure. in the early 90s, is, yeah. is it all about, is that what it's all about? If you're a Canadian band in the early 90s and you didn't have much music, you didn't have success. That was it. There was no band that wasn't on much music that was successful. You, you had to be on it. And honestly, if you got heavy rotation on much music um, in the early 90s, I mean, most bands ended up selling close to a gold album from, you know, the weight of two or three singles in heavy rotation at Much Music. So um, they kind of wielded uh, popular culture for, for a huge demographic for a long time. And now, I mean, it's gotten a lot more specific with the advertising and how they do the award shows and, and all that stuff now. Yeah. It's, it's changed, but... They still, I mean, have pinpoint accuracy accuracy on that demographic. But, it, I mean, when we were kids, it was a little bit bigger, you know, in terms of, uh, I, I think when we were kids, it was like anyone from 13 to 35. And now it just seems to be more like, you know, 13 to 23, you know. <clears throat> well, I mean, it's a completely different world today, right, with, yeah. with YouTube yeah. and just, the, you know, the music industry. Do you... I mean, how different do you think it would have been for you guys were you starting out today as opposed to, you know, 25 years ago? Well, it's interesting that we have a pretty good example. I mean, I've known Tim Oxford, who edits our podcast every week, and he plays drums in Arkells. And uh, I've known Tim since he was 15 years old. Uh, I'm fr I was friends with his family, and, and uh, I, I kind of grew up, he grew up having me as, as, a, as, a, as a mentor and a really good friend. So, um, when I, when I first, when I first met, uh, Tim, he was just a little kid and I was playing much, uh, Maple Leaf Gardens and selling out arenas in Canada. And, um, it, it was a, 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 an interesting kind of perspective because here we are, you know, almost 20 years later and our Cals are the biggest band yeah. in the country. They're playing arenas. They're doing, you know, stuff that Our Lady Peace never even made to you know like coachella and Lollapalooza and opening up for great bands like lumineers and, and phoenix i mean they're kind of bridging that gap to become the next you know world-class band from canada so it's a good perspective to have because to see what how we did it and that here's a, a, a new band in a completely different environment doing a same a similar thing because it's the best thing about that band is not only do they write great songs that are on the radio a lot, they're great live and there's a performance element to them that drives people to come out and see them live. So I think if you want to be successful in any means, whether it be a podcast or a band, it's still about that content being uh, something that will be accepted by a large, a large amount of people. Right. So that, that still has to happen, you know. You know, and I asked Jonathan about this, and I mean, he's got his perspective from, from being in broadcasting, but uh, for you as a musician and the idea of Canadian culture and Canadian celebrity and, you know, maybe the Tragically Hip kind of embodies that where it's it's like our own little thing. It's our little secret and the, the rest of the sure. world, uh, that's their loss. But for you guys, yeah. was it ever about, you know, we want to be big in Canada or is it just, look, we want to be 
a big band, period. Well, I, I think with the music and the way that, that the music scene was and has been for a long time, every band from Canada wants to succeed in America. And I'm sure it's the same for bands from the UK. They want to mm-hmm. have success in America or else it doesn't matter. You know, that there's no real impact unless you get on the radio in the States. And that was kind of always the drive for us as a band. And once we achieved success down there with radio on the first album with songs like um, Starseed and on the second record, Superman and Clumsy, we we had a lot of presence at radio. And um, once that starts, you kind of want to continue that and you want to get bigger and, and make it make it as big as you can. So um, there's an element of... <clears throat> keeping up with the Jones that happens, right. you know, with, with music where you, there's always somebody doing better and you kind of want to, you want to get as far as you can. So at, at the time I didn't even realize how, uh, how crazy it was, the, you know, the, the amount of, of uh, people buying our albums. I mean, it was, it was pretty to it kind of expect to have a diamond, album on your second record in Canada <laughs> and then kind of have to expect that from there on in a little bit. Right. It's kind of weird and kind of not really acceptable yeah. to think about that, but those are the things that happens, you know, so it's it's uh, it's great and it's kind of weird at the same time. <clears throat> yeah, no kidding. All right, well again, the book is called uh, Canadianity, uh, much more in the book and the tour, taggartintorrance.ca just think TNT, Taggart and Torrance, Doncia. And November 18th, uh, you guys are going to be in Calgary uh, meeting people, yes. recording the podcast, uh, going right across mm-hmm. the country. Uh, well, Jeremy, thanks to you for making some time for us. Uh, pass on uh, our, our thanks again to Jonathan, and, and thanks for this. Thank you very much. And it's, I don't think we mentioned that we actually, the, the cool thing about the, the live pods is we, you know, we have, we're playing music now on them. Like I bring in a drum kit and, and Jonathan plays guitar. So there's kind of uh, a feeling of, of performance back in the blood too so that's that's great awesome jeremy thanks again thank you man there you go that's jeremy taggart he and jonathan torrance co-authors of the new book canadianity and they will be in calgary november 18th at sates we're back with more right after this afternoons with rob breckenridge starting at 12 30 on news talk 770 calgary